ourselves. So we're going to, if we can put ourselves on mute, that would be most marvellous. It's good to see you all. Um, it's easy to meet, uh, easier to meet on Zoom today rather than physically anyway, isn't it? So, uh, mm. so that's trying to be positive. Anyway, two positive things about this week that I heard that I want to tell you about. And you might know them already, but it's still positive and it's still wonderful and brilliant. So Margaret Moffat's son-in-law, Rene, came out of hospital on Friday and is in recovering steadily at home. Uh, the doctor told him that when he was admitted to hospital two weeks ago, his chances were very poor. But of course, he's home now. So Rene wants to thank everyone for their prayers. And Margaret told me that the first thing he did was when he got home was to kneel down and thank the Lord. So that's really positive and brilliant, isn't it? That uh, someone special to Margaret and so to, to us as well is back home and recovering. Also, uh, some of you know again as well, uh, Yvette's on her way back home. Uh, she Facebooked me about half past seven this morning, probably some of you as well, saying she was in Paris. So there's not far to go now in comparison to the long journey she's made. So, again, that's really good news, isn't it? And I'm sure she'll be back with her children later on this morning or this afternoon. So that's really good news. A few quick other notices as well then. So our house group is happening tomorrow at 8.15 on Zoom, carrying on with Ephesians. Uh, the church council meeting is this Thursday. We'll be on Zoom, of course, as well. I've got a new link and a new phone number for this, and I'm going to make sure everyone gets it by Tuesday. If you consider NCF your spiritual home, come along. It's for you to be there. You'll be welcome to attend. We're going to start at eight o'clock, so make sure you're there a minute or two before. Otherwise, you'll miss the first however long. So be there earlier. You'll get to hear what everything's going on. If you want to send any apologies, send them direct to me. If you want anything on the agenda, tell me about it today and I'll make sure it goes on. And hopefully a PDF link for the agenda will be part of the Tuesday email this week. I said hopefully because I've still not heard from MailChimp, their compliance team. And so I've been researching other emailing uh, platforms. So hopefully this Tuesday will be a Tuesday email and it will look similar, but it'll be totally different of how I've had to do it. So uh, some of you will know about cloud storage, OneDrive and all of that stuff. So I've got to use that because the way I do PDF links is very different to how MailChimp used to do it. So I've got to work all of that out. That'd be lots of fun. And I've got to redesign it all as well. So, yay. Thank you. So I'm looking forward to that. Still plenty to do. So that's why I'm saying hopefully there'll be a Tuesday email. I'm sure there'll be some sort of email, but it may not be all singing and dancing as we've had in the past. We've got breakout rooms at the end where we can stop and chat with each other. So that is marvellous. So let's pray. Let's welcome the Lord amongst us and say thank you for being here. And uh, then we're going to worship the Lord together. Think about 1 Thessalonians 4. The uh, series is continuing. So let's just pray now. Lord, we are so grateful when people's lives change because of you doing things in them. Thank you, Lord, especially for Rene at this time and his immediate family. Lord, thank you for what you, he's come through. And Lord, I pray you'll continue to bless him and his family over this recovery period. Thank you as well, Lord, for all of us that are here and those that aren't here at the moment or uh, will be looking at this on a video uh, later on in the week. Lord, will you help us to put you first, to see you like we've never seen you before, Lord, in a way, and to know you as our true friend, shepherd and holy God. Lord, we thank you. Amen.
Amen. We're going to sing Praise is Rising. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to dance around because I can't help myself. You're welcome to, too. Thank you so much for this morning with the 
uh, white snow, it reminds us, it reminds us for your grace and mercy. It's so faithful every morning. Yeah, Lord God, thank you that you are covering us with your love and with your grace right now. And whether we are in the very difficult situation or whatever uh, we are in at the moment. But thank you that your, your grace and mercy is covering us and covering all of this area, Lord. Lord, we lift up this um, corona situation that many people are suffering right now. Lord, uh, we ask your, your grace and mercy visit those who are suffering uh, because of the uh, sickness, corona sickness, or whether it's financial situation, or because of the lockdown, depressions, and the conflict uh, in the families, and uh, yeah, struggles in their yeah, social lives uh, and for young generations. Father, would you please come like this snow and brighten our heart and brighten their lives. Father, visit them. And we ask your, uh, the government, Lord, uh, to decide a good decision, Father, for everyone. And then we ask you this, uh, yeah, vaccines uh, come, uh, the result comes well, Father, good for many people and be able to, Lord, um, getting out of this uh, situations, Lord. Father, we ask you that, uh, yeah, your grace and mercy for all of this situation. Yeah, Father, uh, also we lift up uh, those who are, mm, yeah, struggling, especially in the family situation, Father, whether uh, because of the lockdown, Lord, um, and the, all this financial situation. Lord, uh, I'm hearing, Father, all this um, child abuse news and yeah, from Korea, and it's such a heartbreaking. Lord, we ask you uh, that come and teach uh, come and teach uh, the family, especially Christian family, to be uh, a model for this uh, this world, Lord. Father, use us as a light of the world, as you are light of the world, Lord. Yeah, Father, um, as uh, the Bible said, uh, yeah, Father's generation to uh, to the heart of the children's uh, children and then heart of the children to the father's uh, father's heart. Father, let them be able to unite it in you and those who are uh, struggling and then feeling, Lord, lonely and uh, yeah, uh, in in the family situation, especially Lord. Father, bring the reconciliation and bring the uh, yeah the expression of love for each other father um, and if there are any uh, children and young people who are struggling because of the uh, abusive relationship in the family lord let them be rescued and uh, father uh, send your angels lord 
and let them be rescued. And also, Lord, um, yeah, visit them and uh, minister them, Lord. And the family will be cured, Lord God. Yeah, Father, thank you for our NCF church. And uh, we ask you to bless uh, yeah, John and Jill. Thank you for um, our leaders who, are, uh, who have a zeal and love for you and for us, Lord. Father, bless them and protect them. And also, Father, uh, we have a, yeah, Father, we ask you our, uh, yeah, especially elderly, Lord, uh, in our church, continuously protect them from this virus. And also, Lord, uh, bless them in their, uh, yeah, loneliness because they can't meet their families and friends, Lord God. And then find the help, Lord God. And also continuously heal Kathy and Thank you for Yvette uh, is uh, coming back to UK, Father. Just bless her that she can come in on time and then be able to be protected uh, by you. Uh, and then, Lord, uh, yeah, bless also Michaela and Jonathan as well. Yeah, Father, thank you for your blessing and your grace. And thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
reading this morning is taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we have told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives us his Holy Spirit. Now, above your love for one another, we do not need to write to you. 
for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do more so to do so more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Amen. Mum, you're still on, you're not on mute. Me. You, that's it. Thank you very much. Oh. When I've been preparing these recent talks, I've tried to give a brief sense of the geography of what's going on where, and also the theology of what Paul was writing about. For several days, I'd have read the chapter through because often we're taking it a chapter at a time, although next week is different. And uh, then I just sort of think about, well, what are the words that are jumping out at me? What are the words that are the most exciting? The thing is, if we go into uh, the real minutiae of what Paul's saying in every chapter, like some churches would do, it would take us a year or more just to get through to these through through these two books so what I'm trying to get you to do is just to encourage you to read it for yourself and then research what you think is relevant for you now of course reading both of these books doesn't take long both of them take if you read them together take less than 20 minutes to read so you could do that most days or once a week or something or you could split it up using our bible reading plan that we've got so if you want to uh, use that that just takes it a little bit easier Let's have a look at chapter four that Paul's read out for us, a few verses from it anyway. In verse one, we're reminded to live in order to please God. Now, I find that a very practical phrase and that's ever so good then. But, you know, it's not just what we do and say. In other words, the things that other people can see and hear. It's also what we think the bits in our lives that only God knows about. I, I know, and you know too, that living to please God is not just meeting together regularly, praying, giving tithes and gifts and reading the Bible. 
It's also about turning the other cheek. It's being faithful and loving to friends and to relatives when seemingly they don't deserve it from our own perspective. It's allowing God to continue to change us. Living to please God is just like a jewel with many facets or sides. And I, I've not bought any diamonds myself. When uh, Jill and I got engaged, we bought uh, a, a ring and it was OK. Well, she, the other half is giving me ideas now. Shall I try? Can I just put you on mute while we have a little discussion about it? OK, no, I won't. But OK, so so that's great then. Uh, thank you, Jill, for your contribution. Yeah, yeah she's just showing me it. That's marvellous. But the thing is. We're having a little we'll have a little debate about that later, shall we? Because I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, my mind was just on this then. So what, we, what, what I was trying to say before I was kindly interrupted was that when we sort of see a diamond, it's beautiful and it's brilliant. Not because the person, the craftsman has done a bit of the diamond, but it's concentrated on all of it. And that's just like our lives, I think. It's so easy to want God to deal with the easy bits and the bits that people can see. But God wants to deal with other parts of our lives as well. And as we want to say, Lord, I want to please you in my life. So that's what we have to do to be ready for God to do things and to change us. In order to live to please God really well. We need to spend time looking at our character as well as our obvious words and actions. Perhaps have a spiritual stock take regularly. How am I doing, Lord? Lead me to be more like you today than I was last week. In verse one, Paul uses two great verbs. And in English, they are ask and urge. Now, remember, his friends in Thessalonica aren't having an easy time in life. But Paul is saying, put Jesus first in your life. The words he uses aren't feeble or half hearted. He's not put pussyfooting around. He believes in following Jesus strongly. And he knows that the ones he loves in another city in Greece need to do the same, too, even though life is difficult. We know that putting God first takes commitment and dedication, but it's totally necessary. Let's have a look at those two words in the Greek then. Ask. Ereteo, to make an earnest request, especially by someone on a special footing or in a preferred position. And then it says in the lexicon, such requests receive special consideration because of the special relationship involved. This morning at 7.40, I was downstairs pottering around, as you do, and Jill was upstairs and I heard this voice. She says, look out the front window. She doesn't need to interject now because I did, because we have a relationship where if she says something, I think what she's saying is for my benefit. And maybe you looked out the window half seven, quarter to eight or something if you were up and you saw a beautiful sunrise, really lovely, deep colours. And so I could have just ignored Jill, but I heard what she said and I went for it and listened and uh, opened it. If a stranger asked you to follow, you, follow them on a street, you'd probably think twice about it. 
But if a close friend or a family member asks you to do something, you're more likely to do that, aren't you? And that's what Paul was. He was like a family friend. And he was saying, listen to me, I'm asking you to do something. And because the people in Thessalonica had a great relationship with Paul, they knew him. They listened carefully to what he had to say to them. The other word, parakalio, is the word we said in urge in the NIV. And that's, in fact, two Greek words, as some of you will know, para, from or close and beside, and kalio, to call. So it's calling someone from a close and personal place. It's a strong request, in other words. He's not mincing his words. Like we've said, life wasn't easy for the Christians in Greece. But Paul is making it plain that if they want to live in order to please God, it's going to be a conscious effort to do that. Here's an interesting fact I didn't know till this week. Perhaps you don't know it. The word parakalio is used 109 times in the New Testament. So that's 109 times in 260 chapters. Paul uses that word parakalio eight times in this one letter, five chapters. That's a big emphasis, isn't it? So the rest of the uh, uh, New Testament is 101 times in 255 chapters, but Paul uses it eight times in five chapters. He's not urging his friends to do well by staying the same, but to live in order to please God. He's saying, do it more and more. They might have done well in the past, but that's not good enough for the present or the future. And he uses the same word in verse 10. What's the Greek word for more and more? You know, we've talked about it very recently. And it's the word parisio. I exceed the ordinary or the necessary. I abound. I overflow. I go beyond the expected measure. That's what Paul was calling the people in Thessalonica to do, to go beyond, not just be content with what they were like now, but to go beyond and do more. And as Jesus' disciples today, we need to go beyond what we thought was satisfactory last year and give God more. One of my favourite uh, authors is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know, the brilliant G German theologian. And he wrote a book in 1937 called The Cost of Discipleship. I'm going to read a paragraph out of it. I wouldn't normally do this, but it's because it's too long for this, I think. But but it's really good what he's saying. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Costly grace is a gospel which must be sought again and again, the gift which must be asked for, the door at which a man must knock. Cheap grace makes no demand for discipleship. By contrast, costly grace confronts us as a gracious call to follow Jesus. It comes as a word of forgiveness to the broken spirit and the contrite heart. It is costly because it compels a man to submit to the yoke of Christ and follow him. It is grace because Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow 
and it is grace because it causes us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life and it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. That's a lot to think about. But what I want to encourage you is, is this. If you value and know about the significance of Jesus' death, then you need to be moved by it as well. You can't stay the same and say you follow in Jesus if Jesus' death and resurrection isn't moving you today like it might have done 10 years ago or five years ago or a month ago. Paul read out 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 1. I'm going to read it from the message. One final word, friends. We ask you, urge is more like it, that you keep on doing what you told you to do to please God, not in a dogged religious plod, but in a living, spirited dance. That's what God's calling us to today, to dance with him, to enjoy life with him, to be close to him. And that's how we please God, by being close to him and following him with all our hearts. We're going to sing another couple of songs now. Draw me close to you will be the first and then we'll sing a song after that as well. So think about some of the words as we sing these songs.
How does it feel to be silent? Are you used to it? Do you allow much silence to creep into your life? The society around us says make it your ambition to make a lot of money, to be famous, to have lots of possessions and to be admired by many others, getting as many likes on social media as you can. Paul in verse 11 says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business. Philotome, to desire something very strongly to strive zealously and to pursue devoting oneself to what has a great personal value. Hasukse, I rest from work, cease from altercation, am silent, live quietly. I stop from running 
hither and thither. I like that phrase. But the trouble is sometimes I don't like the action it's telling me. I do lots of things. And sometimes God calls me to sit down and to mind your own business and to shut up. Is God calling you to do the same, I wonder? Some versions say study to be quiet because we know that being quiet doesn't come easy to most of us. Of course, leading a quiet life doesn't mean that we're always going to agree with each other. But it does mean that when we disagree, we try to work out our differences calmly and we're still trying to prefer the other person. There are quite a few people at NCF who do things in the background. No fuss, no limelight, and they don't draw attention to themselves. That's beautiful worship to God. And that encourages me to do the same as well. There's some great people I try to copy in NCF. There's one verse in Micah chapter six that we're all familiar with, most of us anyway, and that's verse eight. But I'm going to read from verse six to eight. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. We can try and easily worship God in certain ways. But maybe that worship isn't true worship because of what's going on in our lives. Amos, another prophet in the Old Testament, said it very strongly in chapter five. I'm going to read out a few verses from there. I wonder if God says this about us sometimes. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But... Let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. What are your priorities today? What's your biggest ambition? God says, come and worship me quietly with a submissive heart. Jesus must increase and increase in our lives. 
And just like John the Baptist said, it is time for us all to decrease and then decrease further. As we all actively put God in charge of our own domains and lives, so we'll be changed. People will notice. God will be glorified. It's time to surrender to God again. Today is a surrender to God day. Tomorrow is surrender to God day. It's time to focus on living to please God. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for me. I want to live to please God. And maybe you want to respond in your heart as well, saying, Lord, yes, I want to live to please you. I want you to be at the centre of what I'm doing. So as I pray, pray in your heart as well. Lord, we do thank you that you say things that sometimes we're not happy about. Sometimes, Lord, we want to be the centre of our own lives, even though we've known you for years. Lord, we're sorry. We want you to be not just our Lord and Saviour from years ago, and we're just living on the remembrance of that. Lord, we desire to have a real, active and changing faith in our lives, Lord. Lord, we desire to know you more. We desire that our lives will change so that we reflect you more and we reflect less of us. Thank you, Lord, for making us who we are and what we are. But we give that back to you and say, be glorified in our lives. Lord, have your way in our lives as individuals and as a group of people that believe in you, that fellowship together. Lord, have your way. So we're going to sing, and if you want to uh, respond just to God now in the quiet, you can put the song on mute if you like and just talk to God, or you can sing along. It's going to be really pertinent to what we've been saying, hopefully.
So if you want to respond to that just with a short prayer, you can, or just in your heart, that's fine as well. But we can just be quiet for a moment and just think about some of the things we've heard this morning. And if you want to respond openly, then that would be great too. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We bless your holy name. We thank you for these Sunday morning meetings, Lord, that keep us going all through the week. And Lord, we bless John and Jill, Paul and Nick, and all of the church family, including people like me, Lord, who were adopted into the Neaton Christian Fellowship and Brian. We bless you, Lord, and we praise your name and forevermore. Thank you, Lord, for the people accepting us so gladly and taking us into their fold. We bless your name, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the invitation you've given us to come to you. That's just so incredible that our holy God 
the creator of the universe would be interested in us and then would die for us that we could have restitution reconciliation to be made new creations lord we thank you for what you've done for us and we do give our lives to you again saying lord use us be glorified through us both in the things that people see openly and outwardly and the things that go on in our hearts we welcome you lord do what you want in our lives Amen. 
us today. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us. You make a difference in our lives. We're sorry, Lord, when we've been content with living in past knowledge and experience of you. Lord, today, will you help us to have that vibrant relationship with you again? To know you instinctively and intimately near, even through hardest times, through the valley of the shadow of death, when we're fearing all kinds of things, Lord, thank you that your rod and your staff are there to comfort and to guide. We open our lives to you as we conclude and say thank you, Lord, for being with us, for smiling on us today. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen.